Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Celeste Barber, great, Janet Jackson, Nasty Boys, great song. You like to go to Kids Bop Kids, that's their Sammy Hagar I'd go to. I went to see the Doobie Brothers. I'd probably go again. Good old Whitney Cummings. Yeah. Train and Ario Speedwagon. There's so many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Wow. That is a good, that's a good deal. You got to yep. visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. What is it? Livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. This next character was a thrill for me to have on the podcast. Mr. William Shatner. Um, we did this Bill. one a while back. So we do talk about him going in outer space, which was uh, an extraordinary to hear it firsthand. And he hosted SNL like my eighth show. And he was, I've mentioned before, one of the funniest hosts mm -hmm. ever. And so we talk all about that. And, and you can talk to this too. The other thing about it is he's so philosophical. He's incredibly curious. Yeah. And I'm still in awe of his brain. And when you see him, it's like, what? You know, he's yeah. 91 or something. Universally liked kind of guy, super famous. Everyone knows who he is. He has such a great life, great career. And he always, uh, like you said, curious. He's always trying new things. He got involved in space. We talked about that. We had done this a little while ago, so if some things, you know, I talk about. Um, Did you talk about UFOs? Oh, I might have asked him about that. I, or you said you believed in them. I do get into them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he wanted to really get really into that. Why? Because yeah, when we take this, believe in them? Roswell <laughs> just happened. That was in 1947. Uh, so it well, was a while ago. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Thriller album we talk about because it just came out. <laughs> Mike Tyson bit that dude. Yeah, ear. we did a huge so, chunk on but Hubert. But some of them get left. And, and I just found this one in the glove compartment. I'm like, guys, we never even aired this one. So uh, Shatner, we had a great time with. And you could uh, talk to I would talk to him every week if we could. He's just a blast. Yeah, Bill Bill Shatner to his friends, Billy Shatner Bill. or BS, BB. If you see DiCaprio, do you call him Leo or do you call him Leonardo? I call him Cap. What's up, Cap? I yeah. go, hey, no Cap. I'm a, I'm a goddamn, I'm a goddamn husband. What'd that guy say to you? Says I got to go to Italy and make Italian Westerns. Once I can think of holiday. worse things than that. I was doing Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't normally scene. do little sketches on this podcast. It's not what we're about. No, we'll do them soon though. Come on. Keep your eyes peeled. All right. So William Shatner, enjoy this one. What a fun, fun guest. Billy Shat. His pants. You, you both are vying for great hair. Uh, it's all an illusion. My skull is like a game of risk. There's only so many soldiers and so much territory. There's a lot of product fluffing. I and, faint. And, and a lot of a lot of eruptions. Eruptions, yes. I erupt Just often. Eruption. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking right. of eruptions, hey, how are you, Bill? It's so nice to see you. So you guys got a thing going here. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, we're discovering <laughs> yeah, in real time. <laughs> we can think of anyone we want to talk to. And uh, you were literally the first person that popped into my come head. On, come on. No, I'm not kidding. There's, I'm not kidding. You could have had Trump. 
president, uh, vice You know, let me tell you something. We're Trump. doing very good. Excuse me. Excuse me. You did a terrific thing. I wouldn't go up, you know, Bezos. Nobody cares. Listen to me. We're doing very well. <laughs> We're doing terrific. Many people are saying, let, excuse me. Excuse me. We're not going to. What do you do when he does that? I don't know. Usually we're at dinner and I let him go because it cracks me I do me it for up. my own amusement. But no, seriously, William Shatner. Well, wait be- a minute. Seriously, are you in your bedroom? What, what, <laughs> one of my, I mean, one my, of my bedrooms. One of my bedrooms. Are you yeah. wearing pajamas? I, 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 I'm doing a, a Jeffrey Tubin. Let's put it that way. I'm. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he literally it's, rolled out of bed. It's called doing a Tubin. Uh, or, 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 or a, a single. He uh, could have. He could have pleasured himself before, after the Zoom. He just he couldn't. really reach in and do it. I, I've only. I didn't see it. I didn't. I didn't, I, I didn't want to watch it. Paint the picture. It was literally like this, like in between Zooms. He's standing, walking around, and then he starts, and everyone's like, "What?" what? He, starts, Are you he really? reaches down. No, the camera tilts down. He's already kind of doing it right. And he gets caught for a Wait second. Wait a minute. If the camera tilts down like that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure no, that's pretty close yes. to Here, what here's it Here's both hands. You Seriously, he, he actually he mm-hmm. tilted the camera down so you would see what he was doing? Yeah. And then three months later, there was a grace period. And he was talking about global econo- economics. But all I thought of was the Tubin. I've Did this figure of speech, when you're you were dating in the 1950s, Wait a, minute, wait a minute. This figure of speech, Bill. When did this when did this come up? He's a to a woman. He's a very nice guy, but he can't very intelligent. He, he's a he's he a, can't, but he can't keep it in his pants. When did that phrase come in? He can't keep it in his pants. That came around later. June the 30th, <laughs> 1962. <laughs> when, when your teacher said it to you, uh, to your, your parents. Past, but she was referring to a pencil I was trying to steal, and I ah. put it in my pocket. Um, are, are we are, are we going to start recording or are no, we? No, we're, we're always recording. We're, always we're almost recording. done. Shoot okay. the shoot yeah. the rehearsal. Oh, uh, happy well, hour came no, quickly. I, gotta, I've, I, I thought of a question I wanted to ask you guys. Yeah, I have thirty eight for you. But go ahead. All right. Well, this is <laughs> this will be the one A. Okay. You two are very funny guys. Your your, your reputation, stand up, uh, series. You're very funny people naturally, professionally. Is it? An onus is it onerous for you, like to have a conversation like this? Like you're expected to be funny. Uh, not, not in this particular session, no. Well, but in life, sometimes you're yeah. going to do an hour. We're going to do yeah. an hour, right? And we're going to talk and we're going to schmooze and we're going to. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel it like incumbent upon you to be amusing? Um. Are your reputations yeah. at stake because you're known to be amusing or funny? So you got to be funny now. Well, since this is, quote unquote, kind of behind the scenes, we don't have as much of the allegiance to jokes per moment. Like, I'm very interested in your whole life. So I like that we're going to work on both frequencies. But and I'm not. So it kind of cancels it, it out. It really does. And that's, uh, the question, who do I? Who do, I, who, <laughs> who do you play to? Who's the most appealing? Right, exactly. I think you'd play. I, I, when I heard about this, because Dana did mention you early on, we were going to say, let's talk to people from SNL or SNL related, like music act, cast member, host, whatever, just some wispy connection. And then we can talk about anything also, but we'll touch on it. And then Dana 
put you on this first list of like, and I was like, oh, cool. And then uh, I said, I don't know him. I almost saw you the other night, but I I don't know him. But that's someone that is a guy that has so many things over his life that you can keep asking stuff about that you've been asked a million times. We try not to do that. We try to get. But, no, I, uh, I did a few deep, jokes. deep dive on your new album, which is. Yeah. Have you heard it? It's incredible. Uh, Bill. The lyrics, uh, the one uh, Tuffy about being Jewish in the 19 whatever and getting bullied and how you yeah. had to be a badass. I think because you're not reinterpreting a space odyssey or, or, or you know, Rocket right. Man, that this is bio- autobiographical in the sense. I know you had someone working with you, but listening to you and your stories. No, it's totally. And, uh, the whole, whole album is autobiographical. Yeah. Uh, that was that was the point, I guess. Uh, it, the whole thing is mystical in the way it came together. And also, there's an addendum to it that I could talk to you about. Yeah, uh, I would like to know right now. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah. So I did uh, I did this uh, album called Bill, and the, the thought was, well, let me just sketch it in. It just came out, I mean, right? It's very yeah, nice, new. Yeah, it's yeah. been out yeah. a, a, about, about a month. Um, yeah. I became friendly with a... a a guy who doesn't write for a living who is an executive. I don't quite remember the circumstances, but it turns out we started meeting at a Chinese restaurant of which you will know. So I, I won't say its name, but a, a weird <laughs> Chinese restaurant whose main menu was duck, like oh, Chinese this duck. Sounds like an old joke. <laughs> right. Uh, two, China, two Chinese <laughs> yeah, men went into yeah. a, and right. a duck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. You can't do those so, jokes anymore. So we, it became, a routine. Every time he yeah. came in from New York, he'd call Sam here, and we'd go to the Chinese restaurant and have a duck, and we became the best of friends. There's quite a difference in our ages, mm-hmm. uh, but we have so much in common, including people and people we know, people we don't know in the work, and we just became inordinately friendly. It was a, just a lovely thing that huh. was happening, and then one day he brought a friend of his along to dinner uh, to have duck. And this friend was a, uh, a a guy he was friendly with in university, and they had a musical group together. And this guy, whose name is Dan Miller, went on to do uh, They Might Be Giants, and he's won all kinds of awards. And Rob, the the poet, went on to do uh, uh, not to be an entertainer, but to be an executive. So now Dan, the musician, says to us, why don't we write an album? Oh, okay, let's write an album. And one of the two of them said, let's make it about Bill. And Bill said, oh, okay, let's make it about me. Because I've written several books mm-hmm. about Bill my... Said. Uh, yeah, Bill said. So I, I've, I've written several stories about things that have happened to me, and uh, and they became books. So we took some of the incidences that, uh, that went through my life, like uh, the one that comes to mind that is most succinct would be, uh, I'm leaving home. I've graduated mm-hmm. from the university in Montreal and I've been an actor since I was very young in Montreal, but now I'm going to the, the Mecca of Canada, Toronto. I'm on my way to Toronto. I'm leaving home and I'm crossing a bridge, probably across the St. Lawrence river. And I'm driving a little cheap car. My father lent me a couple of hundred dollars and I bought a Morris minor and it's falling apart, but it's my conveyance. And I've got everything I own in the car and I'm driving across this bridge and coming at me is an 18-wheeler. 
oh my God. And that 18 wheeler is pushing this volume of air and the air almost pushes me over the bridge. And I almost go over the bridge and all my belongings of me, I'd have died and nobody would have known that I ever existed, but I exist and I cross the bridge. And the song is about, we're always crossing a bridge. Mm-hmm. And we're always facing 18-wheelers coming at us. So the song, although ostensibly about me, is generalized, is, is, right. is yeah. a, a more general appeal. And that's what we've done with all the songs on Bill. Now, mm-hmm. the, the next part of this conversation or this uh, uh, soliloquy is mm-hmm. I'm in New York City. Bill has been released. It's getting phenomenal reviews. Bill has been released. The three of us are uh, having dinner. I'm on my way. Uh, this is Sunday night. And on, on Monday morning, I'm on my way to the desert to go up in the air. And, uh-huh. and we say, let's we'll, we'll write a song about space. Got to write it. So we start sketching out, you know, yeah, then, and then what's his name? Said a little blue dot. And, and then we go and I get, and, and we figure out what it's like. And we kind of sketch out the mm-hmm. song. When I come down from space, uh, being, having been in actuality yeah. in space, I call Rob. I said, Rob, you remember the dinner we had uh, last week? Yeah. Everything we talked about space. Yeah. Everything we said that space is going to be like, forget about it. Has nothing to do with the <laughs> And yeah. we've, we've written a song of what actually I felt it happened. We've got a monumental song. Ready. Is that so far from the moon or this is a new song now? No. This, yeah. So far from the moon was. Is on Bill. And it's kind of. And this is. Uh, uh, hopefully on the, next, on the next album. Well, I was so, just to go to that, I was driving down the 101 from Santa Inez and you, it was landing and you came out. And of course, like everyone has told you, first of all, how articulate you were, because I looked at the Wikipedia page, you're, you're not, you know, 22, 23, 24 years of age. I felt like you were so present. And then what you said was so emotional and every, the world has talked about it. How does it feel now? It's been a few weeks later that you spontaneously came out of there and you talked about that thin blue line shot into outer space. The whole world's in tears. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this happens to you now. I mean, it just, well, it's just still a little uh, surreal. Yeah, you, uh, what you're saying is really, to me, is fascinating. When I, uh, two years ago, uh, a, a young producer who produced uh, Better Late Than Never, a series that went on, went around the world, went around with, uh, with some great guys and it was very successful, but it was too expensive. The network canceled after two years. So this guy, Jason Ehrlich was the, the, the producer on it. So he says to me one day, you know, blue, blue origin is going to send a, a spaceship up there and uh, they're going to get uh, passengers. You should go. And I said, Jason, nobody, why would I want to go? I don't need to go. <laughs> I don't need to go. <laughs> I've got shit to do. Yeah, exactly. I got yeah. I got interviews to make. He goes, it's twelve minutes. You're like, I okay, got, everyone's got, got twelve minutes somewhere. <laughs> so uh, he says, no, they we really really would. So he calls Seattle, calls mm-hmm. Amazon, and they say, oh, great idea, come on up. So we fly up to Seattle and we enter the lobby of uh, of Amazon, mm-hmm. which is a giant room filled with Star Trek. Paraphernalia. Oh, wow. Unbelievable number. The spaceship itself, the Enterprise itself is in a big glass globe and people flock there. And there comes Jeff Bezos. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> and we take pictures around the, the, the Enterprise. Then we sit down at the table and they say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a, 
that's a really cool idea. So we leave Seattle thinking, hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I suppose, I, you know, go up into space. COVID hits, a year goes by, and nothing happens. And then somewhere about six months ago, they called and they said, you know, Jeff is going to go up. Uh, that's all we hear. So uh, Jason Ehrlich says, well, maybe Jeff will pick you to be his uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sadie Hawkins, a, a lovely lady, and he picks a very young guy. And that, those two. So now they go up, and I said to Jason, "You see, nobody's interested." So that's not. <laughs> nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about it. So now they announce the second vehicle is going to go up, mm-hmm. and Jason, you go in the second wheel. <laughs> and, and and I said, "Listen, that's like the vice president. You know, no, you they want the president." The president went up. The vice president never appears. You know, I'm not going to go. I don't need to go. Too much trouble out in the desert. I'm well, They call Shatner. Would you like to go? I'm thinking. You know, up in space. <laughs> I like that. I like it. I weightlessness. What's that? Space. Yeah. No. Happen. No pilots. We don't. You no don't pilot. even need pilots. Yeah. Like, press ah, a button like a ride. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll need a pilot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Some experience. You actually. You, yeah. you were trained I, hey, to take over. Uh, if, voice if commands. I could give voice commands. I uh, can't believe so it was I agree to go based yes. on the thrill yes. of going up. It's purely and only. Yeah. To my mind. Nobody's going to pay any attention. They weren't going to pay any attention to begin with. Second shot, forget about it. Just for oh me. no, it was That's Captain the only Kirk. One I heard Captain about Kirk is going into space. Yeah. It was That's so big. big. I mean, well, if, who who knew? I didn't know. I, I could have predicted it, but I I know from your point of view. Why would they care? If I had called, David. Yeah. If I had called you, if you just said call me, I'll tell you what it's going to be like. But no, you kept your silence. And what and what did I know? I used to run a PR firm. And it was a, a home run, really? but if the, no, it's true. but um, I, I was the bye-bye guy. They could have said it would have made sense. I go, do you want the bye-bye guy? And I'd be like, bye-bye, bye-bye. And I go up in the rocket, but no one was listening to me. Yeah, but there's a certain permanence to bye-bye or au revoir. See you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you soon. Yeah, we'll be That's back right. in if a it bit. Exploded right. it, if it exploded on takeoff, that would have been the greatest mic drop. Oh, yeah. oh and, wow. And, and like, there was that possibility because- yes. Going through my head yes, while I'm it's lying gonna blow there, up. and yeah. there's a pause, are the, the that documentary everybody's seen about the Hindenburg? Yeah. Exploding yeah. and people yeah. running. Oh, the humanity well, of humanity. Power. If it had been filled with helium, it would have been, oh, the humanity. Oh, my God. That's funny. Now, that's funny. That's, but uh, it's <laughs> never it, got a lot. filled with hydrogen, and that's and, what they were putting in the rocket. And they said Bill, Anytime there's a on, pause, Bill, press, on the launch pad. Go ahead, David. Go I was ahead. saying he just he got worried because right before they went up, they go, "Can you sign these 200 waivers? Just press hard, 12 copies. Just initial where if you blow up, everything's cool." They, and you they don't did that on the first conversation. There were there were multiple. Did you ever skydive? Oh. Have you guys ever skydived? No, but I've well, been that's in a, a thrill. airplane. Okay, that's like <laughs> yeah. being on the. Well, yeah. they take. Film of you saying it's okay. I mean, right. oh, yeah. the, oh. the the plan they go through to make sure they're not to blame if you die. I'm still it's, suing, no matter what. I'm they suing. would have sued Paramount Pictures or something. Anybody. I'll sue anybody <laughs> near me. By the way, I have to say, I know you went up and it was fun, but everyone is so horny for <laughs> Mars. Like, why Mars? I To me, and this is my opinion, it's even a bigger shithole than the moon. Like, nothing's happening on Mars. Nothing's happening on the moon. And- 
I, you know, I believe in UFOs and stuff. So that's sort of- <laughs> What do you mean you believe in UFOs? Yeah. What I mean, I think- mean? I mean- <laughs> See, I told you, Bill, no, I'm just going to say, questions. they are real. I don't believe- <laughs> They're real. Well, that's wait, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a, Dick, there's a difference here. <laughs> UFOs means unidentified flying objects. I believe things oh, are unidentified. They're there's, everywhere. There's shit going on that's unidentified. There's yeah. stuff in my there's room I don't believe know. In. It's yeah. out there. Do you know what Fata Morgana is? I worked with them. It was, uh, it's a pasta dish, isn't it? No. Fata no. Morgana. Okay. From Star Wars. No. <laughs> Fata Morgana <laughs> is, the, is the phenomena that uh, you see in the desert with uh, with oases, why do you see an oasis in the desert uh, on occasion? A mirage, oh, yeah, the pool of the, yeah, and the, yeah. And the palm trees and the thing. Yeah, that's UFO. That's being projected from an actual oasis somewhere. It could be a thousand miles away, but as a result of some visual phenomena, where that image is projected into a heat sh uh, shelf, a current, and it and it's a it's a broadcasting phenomenon that, like, uh, like uh, whales bounce off their sound off of yeah. uh, warm sonar. Yeah. Uh, what warm uh, currents mm -hmm. and they can be heard thousands of miles away. These images bounce off a heat current and mm -hmm. then appear on Earth a, th a hundred miles, or 10 miles, a thousand miles away. Right. And that's called a Fata Morgana. So wait a minute, William so Shatner. So what you might be seeing is Father Morgana's. <laughs> yeah, William Shatner. So you're saying Star Trek was not real. You're saying that you didn't go to those planets. No, no, I did. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Dana doesn't get it. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Oh, yes, you heard me right. You can talk to an actual human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I want to do my wish list, but in a second, I have a wish list. Well, I have a question, too. Okay, but this is, is it related to Blue Origin? While, so I, I think instead of coming to blows, you can take Is it related to Blue Origin? Yeah. Oh, it's, this, my wish Blue list Hawaii is because. It's a movie. Go ahead. Elvis, the, William Shatner was the first artist to go in space and come back down. And then we got all this cool poetry, basically, spontaneously. Mm -hmm. So the next spaceship, I'm thinking Dylan, Dr. Dre, Springsteen, Howard Stern, Billie Eilish, and David Spade. You just added me. I just added you in, but I yeah, mean, shouldn't we send Bob? Can you we felt send badly because you interrupted him from asking a question. I did. You thought you'd make him, you'd throw him a bone. Now we're getting into Raw Nerve, which I love, by the way. Does anyone ever ask you about that show, Bill? <laughs> I'm I, doing a show called I Don't Understand. I'm doing a talk show called I Don't Understand. Again, <laughs> hardly anybody's watching it because it's, it's um, uh, streaming, but you can look it up. But I get all those, I do... I've done 50 half hours yeah. of the weirdest, strangest people and subjects. Yeah. And, and although it's not personality-driven like, like uh, Raw Nerve, get the, I, I, like, what's a lie? What's a lie? 
<laughs> oh, that's right. why you I'm try alive. to catch me on what's a UFO. No, what's a lie? Well, what's a UFO? Okay, talk about a UFO. The biggest lies we tell are the, are the stories we tell ourselves. Oh, boy, heavy. Well, um, uh, that requires analysis, too. David, yeah. take the UFO thing, for example. Sure. What do you mean you believe in UFOs? What does well, that mean? UFO is a is a term you're right unidentified flying object that could be right. a piece of paper in here it's right. unidentified means nothing is it right. actual aliens from different planet that's a little that's more specific right. and right. have you seen those pictures it could be fake on the moon where there's like three ships on the side of it waiting in the wings terrifying no, i haven't seen that picture. terrifying and there's a lot of stuff like that but i believe since i was a kid i was into that stuff so but i think you're into that well, I'm into it in in as much that those recent pictures from the Navy pilots mm-hmm. yeah. make you think, what is that? And then they, they the the Navy talks about ships going under the water, uh, yeah. disappearing into the water. What is that? We don't know. I mean, that's- They could be coming from the bottom. They don't have to come from space. They could be chilling on the bottom of the ocean, shooting up. One of the them. conversations I had with Bob Ballard, who is the guy who filmed the Titanic, and when, but he's a major uh, a, a marine biologist. Mm-hmm. So he was looking, he had sent a, a bathysphere down to the separation of tectonic plates at, at, at 30,000 feet under the ocean. Okay. <laughs> there, is a, okay. <laughs> there is a bleeding scar in the ocean, uh, I believe right. there are many, where the tectonic plates are separating and yes. there's magma right Coming there. Up. Yeah, hot stone. Okay. Yeah. So he puts a bathysphere with people in it down below, and he's like lurking there, and he can't come up because there's a cave. And and finally, he gets up, and they're coming up like this slowly, and they're looking out the window, and they're seeing what seems to be like a chimney, and they're going past the chimney, and suddenly they're at the top of the chimney, and spewing out of the chimney is hot, six hundred degree Fahrenheit water. Six. Boiling point of water is two, 212 degrees. <laughs> 600 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. is coming out of this plume of, of water. Not only it's 30,000 feet under, so there's 30,000 feet of pressure, 600,000 degrees, 600 degrees Fahrenheit boiling mm-hmm. water, and it's all sulfurous. Okay. And as they go by, they see 13-foot worms living there and clams. They're living right in those in that um, Atmos- uh, yeah. extreme, miasma extreme of extreme conditions, extremobiles. What does that say about life? Can go. It can go anywhere. The sea anywhere. is terrifying. Terrifying. Well, why is it terrifying? Well, I think the most there's it's there's so much unknown that way that we don't pay attention to, and we always but, but, why, but but unknown doesn't mean necessarily terrifying. Just to me, it does, but. I think that's a clue to your whole character. Mm -hmm. Fear. Fear. Don't lean in. That makes me more scared. That means you're onto something. But no, when you lean back, that's scary. (laughs) Self-deprecating character. Yeah, no, I'm scared of uh, six-foot worms. Did you say defecating? Yes. I no, I said I was just describing an action that I'm performing right now. No, I said deprecating. Oh, Mr. Tubin. That's another way of going. <laughs> yeah. This Dana's whole thing like is a waste down affair. Yeah, right. No one sees what goes. I have a Dennis Miller up. story. 
that uh, just to light it, just to change gears. I'm sorry. This is Crime so many. boring, but I think you were the host of SNL and Dennis said that he walked somewhere with you. You might not remember this. He was just his observation, but he told me years ago that when you walk with people, that when he walked with you, when people would yell your name, you would casually go like that because that's kind of what they wanted. And you would just say it while you talked because it was so ingrained and people just go, hey, I was going, hey, while you're that's still talking. That's a lovely story. Hey, what a great story. It can't be true. Can't be true at all. I can't even do that. That's, <laughs> that's more of that's, a Spock thing. Is that I a can't do that. Yeah. He that said people sp- wanted you to do it and you were like casual because you were so famous. It was sort of a, a fun complimentary story that you were walking around and Actually, so many people knew Actually, what I do is you. like the, what the queen does, you know. I just sort of regally. Well, let's put a hit out on them. Nothing serious. I have a question. What's (laughs) more of a popular phrase that you hear? Is it beam me up, Scotty, or warp speed, Captain? You know, uh, have you have you gone out and signed autographs at uh, yeah stuff like that? Oh, Comic Con's big one. You you. You probably don't do them because you're too big of a deal at those things. No, no, I don't do. I, I, I don't do small things. I just do very large things. <laughs> yeah, you do that. <laughs> or small things that pay very well. I, mean, right. I think that's good. <laughs> it's a you're joke. not afraid to so say no. You sign on the autograph. You sign. They ask, would you sign something? So it's a toss-up between those two, which is the most popular. See? Hey, Dana, hmm. that was a good question. Uh, that was a that was a good Why question. Why shouldn't you I be like able to that. ask a good question, David? Because I'm kind of stupid, Dana said. But I think that that was because I know Star Trek. Are you growing guys going to get along? Are I've had five years of intensive therapy. I started at sixty. Yeah, I learned. I learned a lot. You, you right, came up a does, lot in therapy. Does David? Does David <laughs> know about therapy and all that kind of thing? I do. I haven't gotten into it, but that means I'm not fixed yet. But I'm just sort of uh, skimming by. But Dana teaches me a lot because Dana and I are old friends and he's very smart. Pre SNL. And we have dinners and I learn a lot from him because he's he knows the drill. And so I'm the elder statesman. We but I do we we get along really well. I've known David since his before SNL. There was a movie that David was in. Mm-hmm. Everybody quiet. Eight heads in a <laughs> it, it was a straight roll, David. Oh. and you were you were you were splitting you're right on the on the ledge of it was a beautiful performance of of you who are known for your comedy throttled that that comedic instinct way back and you were very real and and it was really a good really good performance what movie would that have been that i would have jack and jill tommy boy no there was one called warning shot where i played it straight uh there's a couple where i don't do that many and people say you should do it more. But the truth is, I don't get offered that stuff. Of course, you have to go out there and find it and chase it and work for nothing and do all that. And it's a big payoff a, if you can find here's it. Here's a thought I've had, and I need you two guys to, to corroborate it. Most, if not all, comics, people known for the comedy and do stand-up mm-hmm, and do, mm-hmm. and now become traditionally, oh, you're funny, be funny, Yeah, uh, started off as actors. And just you, you were uh, you were naturally amusing, and people said, "Oh, you're funny," and you developed that gift. And finally, the acting roles uh, became less and less, and the desire, the demand for you as a comic became more and more, and your careers became that of being funny. Is that mm. what happens? I, I started just as a stand-up with no aspirations to do anything other than 
No kidding. That's try exactly to be. Didn't even want to be a stand up. The opposite of what I just said. No, but. I, well, I would. Yeah, go. I mean, the same thing. I, I, I worship movies. You know, uh, we talked about Goldfinger the other day, Sean Connery or The Great Escape. But for me, when I was, I had big family, five of us, rough and tumble childhood. When I would see the Danny Kaye show or the Jackie Gleason show early on and then Carol Burnett and Smothers Brothers and Flips. Well, though I aspired to that when I saw Laughing, when I saw Saturday Night Live, I because I could kind of do voices and I got a lot of attention for that when I was nine, eight, nine years of age. I could talk mm. like the Beatles. And that get that was a big hit with my mom, you know. Oh, at least something was. I said, Mom, you know, do you think you could make me some pancakes? And she <laughs> dropped the batter and screamed. So <laughs> I ran out. No, it was she. She laughed. But I, I, I what about you? Being a dramatic actor and then also going on Third Rock and other things that are overtly comedic. And then you went back, Boston Legal, you played Denny Crane, that that arc. I mean, you, you your Wikipedia page is just loaded with shit. I, I mean, it is the most impressive, yeah. most uh, eclectic career. Twilight Zone. just keeps going. I, 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 I love to make people laugh, but... I don't. I don't tell jokes per se. I mean, I can tell. A but joke. you're very funny. Your persona. So I funny. have a, 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 the same sense of humor that you guys have. You, you, your mind works. Oh, that's you can make it funny. You can mm-hmm. make it straight, or you can make it funny. You make it funny because you like to see people smile and then laugh. And you. Know, so I'm the same way. But my whole uh, genesis was that of as an actor. But I always tried mm-hmm. to find the fun, the comedy, Something the laugh. Light. Yeah. In, in no matter what it, what, what it was, because people, if they're somebody's just died in their arms, uh, yeah, might be not <laughs> amusing, but might have an observation that in 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 uh, in retrospect is funny. You know, right. when I see you, you seem um, just seeing you from a distance in your career and then on talk shows and stuff, you do have a lightness to you. That's more of a comedic side to me than some actors are very heavy for all the drama you've done. And so, and that's fine too. But I just felt like when me and Dana were going to talk to you, you just feel like it's going to be more fun because you're sort of on our, that vibe anyway. So you wouldn't take anything offense or that kind of stuff. You're just going to go back and forth with it and do your, and, and that's uh, absolutely. I, I think talk shows like, like the ones, uh, uh, essentially it's a, this is a talk show or, or at least it, you know, sure. the, the effect is, um, is you want to be informed. You want to, uh, uh, have some insight, but you also want to be amused. You want to laugh. If you can make you laugh and inform you at the same time, mm-hmm. it's much more entertaining. And, and I've gone by that for a long time. Well, I would say two things. One is like, I, I worked with Mickey Rooney in 1981, the, my first job ever. I met a lot of, uh, older actors at that point that were bitter by their time in show business and or self-important. And you did none of that ever appeared in your in your vibe. It was you had a sense of humor about the entire ride and you could do something flat, dramatic, brilliant, or you could do something completely, uh, uh, you know, hilarious. And you just you, it, it, to me, I, I'm, I, I admire that about you, that you never got self-important or bitter and you seem to be having fun. Well, I don't know what they're self-important about. Well, I, I mean, a lot of people find a reason maybe to be, 
<laughs> well, <laughs> right. They delve that into Wikipedia that. page <laughs> feels they, pretty they good. They research a, re a reason for feeling self-important. I, I know. I, I don't get it. And I never understood, for example, Brando said uh, about acting, it's child's play, and he got dis discouraged about it. I think that being an actor, which is, uh, I, I mean, you're reading somebody else's words, but there are so many colors, there's so many nuances that if you're working, if you're really working and thinking about it, I could, I, you know how subtle timing mm -hmm. is. I don't have to tell you two guys how you can miss a laugh just by uh, somebody coughing sure. in the audience. I mean, it's as delicate as a cobweb, and 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 to keep that cobweb alive, to to make every night uh, in your stand-up or in a play, the 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 laugh is still there. And sometimes, uh, the three of us know only too well the laugh disappears. Mm -hmm. yeah. What the hell? Yeah. What happened to the laugh that was there? What are you doing What's, that is subtly different from last night that the laugh didn't come? I did it or, this weekend. Or, I did two shows, and there's one joke, or not joke, but I sort of talk for a little bit. Tell, 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 do it. Tell do us it, the David. Joke. Tell us. Uh, uh, give us the example. Well, it's not really an example. Well, there was one where I said, when people uh, sneeze, I just said, bless <laughs> you. And I said, I used to say that, but for two years, in the middle recently, when they would sneeze, I'd say, oh shit, we're all gonna die. And then That's I say it's so real, they were like, right? <laughs> and then one oh, night, right. it's a big laugh. The next <laughs> night, I added to it and I said, and then for a month when it got really bad, I said, oh fuck, we're gonna for sure die because of your deadly poison boogers that you're shooting out at 3,000 miles an hour into my faculties. <laughs> And then I go, but then I tighten it back up. It's just bless you now. It's easier. It's quicker. That's not funny. And you tighten it back up. One night they just listen like and stare. And the next night they're like, hey, that's a funny joke. And you go, and you re listen back and go, what was different? It's an eyebrow. It's a, it's it's either you are louder or quieter. A, also, also, I love that phrase that we've all heard and we, it's worth, worthwhile discussing. It's too soon. Oh, yeah. Right. It's an, about anything. About about making political commentary on something that's too, too soon. soon. So COVID yeah, might yeah. be, it's still like too, too soon as a question. As soon as it bombs too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. Some people are still wearing masks. Well, that's know. true. If they don't laugh too soon. Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. think a lot of it is yeah. just clarity, right, David? I mean, if you do a bit and you've got like three lines, you have to say in sequence perfectly to yep. set up the funny part. And then you get kind of used to it. And maybe you skip one little phrase yep. and they don't get what the premise is. It's one exactly word. Right. Imagine being, imagine being in a long run play, uh, of which I have been in more than one. And every night, you know that laugh is like a pearl. There's there's a a, a string of pearls of laughs that you that that have come about. You're in rehearsal, and you don't know where the where the well the laughs are. Take my wife, yeah. please. That's a laugh. But where the other laughs are, you really don't know until the uh, same with your standup. You write your standup and then, OK, that I know that's going to yeah. be funny. But is this funny? Oh, suddenly they're laughing. Why the hell? They are laugh they on the setup and you are go, you well, that's not even the funny part. Well, but they all decide exactly. that's the funny part at once. It's crazy. Yeah. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping. 
but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero, David. No DIY experience needed. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. So Viore is um, a versatile, comfortable athleisure wear. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's designed to look good in every, for everyday life. Like I got the shorts. They're called the men's core short. And I also got just a regular t-shirt. Mm -hmm. But I have some sweats. So they're basically, all of it works for me. I like it. It works. Um, I wore it on the road this weekend because it's sort of easy to wear anywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't work out all the time. But, but um, you know. Yeah, of course. This is, uh, I go into the yeah. stores. You can always go on the website, but. They do a great job. They're just, a, they're a little above the knee. You can mm -hmm. go anywhere with them. I don't wear them on the plane, the shorts. I know the guy I was with was wearing shorts on the plane, which is kind of gross. In first class? Mm, coach. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you can go commando in, in confidence with the breathable boxer brief liner. Interesting. Yes, it is very interesting. And for the women's performance jogger, what I hear is you meet the pants you'll never want to take off. The performance Ooh. joggers have a slim but relaxed fit with a slightly cropped leg. Can you picture it, David? Side pockets and a drawstring yeah. designed with the softest premium dream knit stretch fabric. I think Bill Burr wore those to the golf tournament. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a fresh take on the uh, men's performance jogger. That's a staple in every wardrobe. I have a lot of uh, joggers, sort of sweats, the old way to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, they're made of premium recycled performance stretch fabric, shorter inseam, keep you moving with less bulk around your ankles. These joggers e are equal parts style and comfort. Viore mm -hmm. is an investment in your happiness for our listeners. They're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash fly. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash fly. Not only will you receive 20% off on your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viori.com slash fly and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Going to Saturday Night Live for a second to that point is that at Read Through, you get laughs and you get on the show. That's Wednesday. Thursday, you do a dry rehearsal five, ten times in a row with the crew laughs the first time. Then there's no laughter. Friday, you're doing walkthroughs, no laughter. Everyone's bored, looking at the ceiling. By the time you get to the practice show at like 7 p.m. on Saturday, you're like, I don't even know. And then Ah, this is funny, yeah. but you're almost everyone's <laughs> tired of it by then. Yeah. I just want to say, well, I was yeah. on Oprah one time, but it was with Chevy Chase and Tina Fey and people. And she always asks, who's your favorite host? So at that moment, because of I, it, you're the name that came up for me. I just said, William Shatner. And the, the reason was one was it was such a thrill being a Star Trek fan. It was like maybe my sixth show. And I got to play Khan in a sketch. I'm doing Ricardo Montalban. You know, all that was <laughs> surreal. But then I was, I noticed 
your attitude about SNL like was so light and fun. And I said to you, you're so loose and having so much fun. Why? I mean, how are you doing this? He goes, well, how else would you do this? We're, we're under rehearsed. We don't know where we're going. You know, and it was the perfect attitude of right. like, why take this so seriously? Right. It's impossible. When it right. happens, it's great. But then the other, the other part that is butt tightening <laughs> is the word. Eh? Well, uh, uh, remember the words. Yeah. You got to remember the words. In this case, they're all in front of you. So you're not going to forget the words. The only thing is you're riveted looking at the, at the, at the cards as against trying to get looser, look away, yeah, give yeah, it a yeah. little, a little juice, you know, but, but so many of the people who come on are, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, and then I went down the street and, and, and Christopher are, Walken, yeah. which I've mentioned, just stared straight at the cards and never looked at anybody. And it worked. He just looked straight at the car. Didn't even look over at you. Don't know why we're going here. Not going to work. You know, but with him, it worked. You know, Dana, yeah. let me bore you guys with a quick story. Christopher Walken, I don't really do a good impression, but he was so on a movie I did. And we were in a house with the lights off. It was getting dark. And then we come out and the lights come on. And so we start in the dark. So we're standing in the dark. There's probably four of us. We can't even see each other. And he goes, David. Have you ever worked with an actor dog? And I go, yeah, there, there's one in this movie. And he goes, they're good. You know, they, they, they know what they're doing. They train them pretty well. And I go, yep. And then dead silent. And then he goes, hey, David, you ever work with an actor cat? And I go, actor an actor cat? cat? Uh, I go, no. And he goes, they're no good. They, they, they don't do anything. Like they have a trainer, but. If you say go there, they don't. And then if you yell at them, they jump. But any cat will do that. And I go, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And then silence. And then he goes, hey, David, you ever work on Acta Mouse? And I go, no way. <laughs> sounds goes, like an old joke. I did on, on Mousetrap. And I go, oh, that's right. You did a movie called Mousetrap. And he goes, they're good. They're smart. smart. He goes, you say go up and take a beat and go to the right. <laughs> and they do. I don't know how. And I go, oh. And he goes, I'd work, I'd work again with the mouse. <laughs> and I go, I'll look. First. And he's deliberately he's very he's serious, funny, right? very serious. He's just uh, telling no, me. No, was he doing a routine no, or was he just telling me? That sounds like a great routine. I know. It's so funny to me. We were, and the other people in there were going, and then he goes, then they're like, okay, rolling. And he's like, okay, quiet. I'm like, is it a joke? I don't know. It just was so great. Act a mouse. Have a, have and, a he, and he did. I, mouse. Forgot. I, I, I did a play. Boys in the Band was a big yes. hit. And and then uh, Crowley was the author's name. And he had written the second play. It was probably his first play. And, and uh, Boys in the Man was his second play. Anyway, I was, we were now in Los Angeles. We were going to go to Broadway on uh, Crowley's next play. And it wasn't as good as Boys in the Band. So the opening moment is this actress, well-known Broadway actress, his name I can't remember. And I come out on the apron in darkness. Okay. And we're holding hands, and the curtains part, the lights come up, play begins. So we walk out onto the apron, opening night in Los Angeles, sold out house. She clutches my hand, and then she turns to me, I guess, and whispers, are we in a disaster? <laughs> <laughs> right when it comes up. And we were. Uh, <laughs> it never got out of Los Angeles. <laughs> she knew it was a disaster. But imagine 
Oh, opening night. Yeah. Are we in a disaster? It's <laughs> all your inner monologue is the whole night is like. I had my uh, Christopher Walken moment that I don't know how funny it is, but it, it always stuck with me. We're in a wooden spaceship, an 8H, right? A Jack Handy sketch. So we're, we're going to land on planet Earth, but our, our landing door always kills somebody. <laughs> so when we walk out, the, the local townspeople are mad. Kill him, hang him high. And so in rehearsal, he had one line where he would say, let's get out of here. But he would just say to me, he'd say, let's get out of here. And then we'd go back in the wooden spaceship, cramped in this little space. And he'd laugh for like a minute after everything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. Just, I don't know why. You know, he, he is admirable. That, he's a wonderful actor. Brilliant. Yeah. You, I guess you know something that is, it strikes me as being astonishing is that he was a tap dancer. He yes. was a dancer. Yeah. And so there are films that, uh, at least one that I can think of, where he does a little tap dance routine while waiting around a lamp pole. Yes. I thought, of course, he just ad lived yeah. that or he told the he told the director I can do this. What a sensational kind of what a character yeah. he is. He was oh, a, yeah, he, he was, was a, a childer in, in this one, Dana, when I did oh. with him. And he's and he's got a broom and he goes, What if I danced around with the broom? Same thing. And we said, Yeah. yeah. And he's really good. He did that uh old but video. He did Fred Astaire. He did a video for like not Moby, but Beck or someone where he danced. Very, very light on his feet. Fun to watch. I, you know, the when he was when I was at SNL, I had this old Southern gentleman who was doing my wardrobe, and Christopher Walken was the guest host, and he'd been a child actor and had performed in New York City. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the dresser was a child. Uh, the, no, Christopher Walken, Chris Walken, and the dresser knew him back then. Oh, and just talked about him now because Chris had this sort of almost scary, funny vibe around him. And he and he said to me, this old Southern gentleman said about Chris, you know, he's got the devil in his eyes. <laughs> and he was serious. He's got the devil well, in his he's eyes. He's also got the devil in his hair. It's I mean, great. It's, it's yeah. so funny. His whole thing is the devil. I mean, it's, he's quite a character. I, I wish I, I've never met him, I don't think. I mean, I would Love to have a conversation with him. He's uh, really interesting, really surprisingly vulnerable. He's kind of intimidating, but he's very, very sweet. And uh, I, you know, it's almost old fashioned in a sense. I, I would like to know what you think about this, Bill. It's just when you see Al Pacino in The Godfather, which is brilliant. And then my performance I love is when he extenuated his Cuban accent in Scarface. Churro no, man. Churro no, you gotta do. What you gotta do, man? So go back to the bad guy, right? And it seems like as <laughs> actors get older down their career, they'll become way more theatrical because maybe they're bored or something. You know, they're. I think they're looser. I think they're looser. Just looser. I think it's more what happens time. is you can go in any direction. So you go in three directions. Yeah. Or you choose one, two, three. You can, you don't just say hello. You go uh, confidence, uh, maybe like a, con what? a confidence to go like a absolutely. You can play it more real, like. I don't always say hello in real life. I go, oh, you know, you could do anything because that really happens in real life. So you can play. Right. There's so many different ways to play almost any line. I'm sorry. I'm answering for you. I'm sorry. But that, that's what no, I know. You're absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely right. I do believe it has to do with confidence. If you've gotten older and you're still working, then there's a certain amount of confidence. Yeah. The, yeah. Do you uh, how how about you personally? I mean, do you feel like did your confidence get to a point? Did it ebb and wane, or or did it go? And where oh, is it oh, now? Oh, I, I, absolutely, depending on how it's going. Yeah. But going along with that theme, 
It's also interesting how I think you should simplify. I think in a joke, the more you can cut away, cut yeah. uh, cut superfluous material away from the words, mm -hmm. you got to hone it down to its basic simplicity. The more simple you are mm -hmm. as an individual, as an artist, as a person, as in a relationship, the more honest and simple it becomes then just being. Yeah, right. Not trying, not, not pushing. You don't make the crowd work. I feel like the self-critical voice that, especially in stand-up or whatever, where you're doing a set and you're giving yourself a report card, the best sets are when that voice disappears and you're just completely fluid in the moment. In it. It's yeah. always a really nice place to get to. But I did a movie with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas talk about <laughs> simplicity. Because so, I was so in awe of them. And, yeah. and we're just shooting a scene around a little table. And they have their lines, but they just say them. You know, Kirk Douglas is like, I don't think we should rob the bank. Just that. And Bert's <laughs> like, if we don't rob it now, we'll never rob it. And they just like, they did take, but that's it. And they're Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. Then I'd come around to my coverage and I'd go, what do you guys think or whatever? And then Kirk Douglas always said, I think we got it. There's no reason to do another take. So he was. <laughs> I like when you work with actors and they do 10 of the exact same takes and you're like, I like to screw around and say, oh, they're going to pick it if they're a good editor. But sometimes people go, this is the way I see it. This is the way it's going to be. And you're not going to get me off it. So here it is. I got a funny, I got a funny moment. I got a funny moment about that. I did a, uh, a thing, uh, a movie, uh, Judgment at Nuremberg, it was called. And I played a officer at a uh, at, at at the lawyer's desk. Is this okay, a, is this from Montgomery in. Cliff and everything or no? Oh, that's it. Oh, and Bert oh, that movie. Oh my God, that's <laughs> so. I'm at the desk doing nothing, just yeah. being uh, uh, this character that's at the desk. But I'm seeing everybody come in because everybody comes in to testify. Yeah. So they all do their thing. They do one day. Judy Garland will come up. Bert Lancaster comes in, does his day. And he does, you'll have to do him. You know, yeah. I didn't do anything. I'm a good German. I'm telling you, I did nothing. I was simply following orders. I didn't kill nobody, <laughs> nowhere, no how. I'm going to make okay. it rain. Sorry, go ahead. Perfect. Yeah. Cut, cut. <laughs> Great, Bert. Great. Everybody applaud Bert. <laughs> Bert says, thank you very much. And he leaves. Okay. <laughs> the next morning, Hey, everybody, we're stopped the, uh, cutting the, not doing the, 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 the schedule. Bert wants to come in and, and uh, he didn't feel right about doing it. He's going to do, do it take again. Take two. Take two. So Bert Lancaster <laughs> oh, comes really? back in. Now do Bert Lancaster like you just did. I'm telling you, I did nothing wrong. <laughs> I never killed anybody. You can ask anybody. I was sick. Great, Bert. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Was it like the same he reading? He just did exactly the oh, same, exactly the same thing. Hysterical. I just want to get it we again. He laughed and laughed. He was sweet. He was, he was got, a very nice man. How about like this? Him. This is an IMDb roulette question. Um, it, there is Twilight Zone in there. Did you ever do Night Gallery, which scared the shit out of me? I, I was scared of Night that Gallery. Do you remember Night Gallery? Oh, yeah. 67, 68. I remember Night Gallery, but oh, I don't yeah. remember. I, I, you know, all those jobs back then, <laughs> half-hour shows. I love it. Well, those half-hour shows and the hour shows, you did them to make a living. I mean, you had the rent to pay and the children to feed. And nobody, you know, the audience at large, people who are going to watch you in this, don't understand that you also have to make a living yeah. as an actor. 
And if you're not making $20 million a picture, which you put away and live on the interest, uh, you you have to work. And mm-hmm. so some of the jobs you take, because it's working. By the way, playing. I want to thank Bill for, you saved me a lot of money. In? Well, here's the story. I happened upon, and I won't name the stock, I happened upon out of a, probably a dumb investment, I got a lot of one particular stock. It's kind of famous now, but... When it when it when it doubled, the expert the, ex, the experts said no, you gotta you gotta sell it because it would gyrate down. It would double and then come back. Right. right. But I remember you regretting selling Priceline, so I held on to it, and I still am holding on to it today. So I just want to thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> so it it was the dot com bubble. Yeah. It went way up. Yeah. But because I I was there originally, mm-hmm. there's a thing called a. Uh, tie in or you tie up mm-hmm. or you're you can't sell it yeah, for, for a year a while, and a half yeah. Yeah. yeah so it went up and i'm watching it go up i got it for like 25 cents and it went up to 150 dollars or more i think god i'm gonna be rich i'm gonna be and then <laughs> i'm it, sorry it come down and i can't sell it yeah. <laughs> and then i can sell it and it's back down to 25 cents so i sold it then it goes back and then up it went up again thousands of dollars i have but a question you, yeah go, go ahead, ahead. Well, well, I was just c- curious about this uh, Star Trek and then s- part of the 70s where you're kind of doing uh, game shows or whatever. But then all of a sudden there's seven Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's never happened to anyone in show business, a series from the city and then seven Star Trek movies, one in which you directed. I, I just think that's a fascinating part of your incredible. It was. It was. It was. It well, was, did uh, you not get paid? I don't. I think it said that you don't get paid a lot on Star Trek because that's an early job, right? Well, we didn't get. No, it was an early job, and we were all. Uh, I I had done I had done Broadway and movies a lot of stuff. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, before Star Trek, but you know, to get to that level. Uh, you had to star in even movies didn't do it. It, You had to do a series. And and when I did that series, Mm -hmm. uh, it put me in another, another level. And I was able to do those movies. And I didn't, I stopped doing half hour shows Mm -hmm. and hour shows. Stop playing the heavy on Charlie's angels. (laughs) Did I? No, it just sounds like something someone would do. Right, Just for right. a week of work. Did go you down ever there, play right. a bad? You play, you did a couple of Columbos, right? Yeah, yeah those are great. How was Peter Falk? They were they were sensational. And and I don't know whether this is common knowledge. Uh, they were very difficult to write for, and they were difficult because reverse because engineering. You, yeah, exactly. What's That's that exactly mean? right? Well, it means that you know who the what, who the criminal is. Yeah, and the whole drama. Is uh, is Columbo learning who the criminal is? But you already, you the audience no, know it is. Yeah. So what's the jeopardy? And then oh, wow. have you seen those, David? Because he plays and the the very difficult to make it work. Yes, I've seen Columbo when he he makes a a side story like he goes, "Is this your dog? Oh, I had a dog like this. Meanwhile, I know you killed the guy, but yeah, exactly. is this a exactly? He played. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a passive aggressive character. You feel, when you watch it, you feel like he knew, but he just <laughs> left him dangling for weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's know, what I'm saying. My wife. And I don't know that when he unbelt, but buckled his <laughs> coat. Yeah, what you were going to see when he <laughs> might have been, fling open his coat. Might have been a know? tubing, maybe pre-tubing, yeah, right, an exactly. early tubing. I was going to go. Oh, there. Peter Falk. Oh, better not. Oh, better Wait, not. Dana. Yes. On um, Gemini. 
when when uh, this guy did SNL, you were newer. You said, "Oh yeah, and six who eight wrote, shows." Who wrote the uh, Star Trek sketch? Was that Smigel? Probably. I don't know. It was. And 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 Mr. Shatner, were you okay with that sketch, beginning, middle, end, or? Oh yeah, uh, that that sketch re- reminded me or made me aware of the best comedy is played absolutely real. Yes. If you can be ultra serious, yeah, ultra yeah. serious. If it's you know, there's a comedic cloud. Just it's just a, f- a little hint, a mist of comedy. So the audience knows it's funny, but doesn't know it's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a balance there that you guys, you superb comedians know exactly what I mean. The audience, you and I are, three of us are talking to, might not know what we're talking about. But there is a hint of the actor is in on the comedy. Yes. But it's absolutely real. Mm -hmm. And that's those, those are the comedic actors. And then there's the actors who don't have that hint. And it becomes absolutely real. It's not funny. Got wacky. Uh, you know, there was a TJ Hooker sketch that we did as well. And again, we played it just flat as real as possible. Some of the car was whipping right. around. I can't remember. Right. And then there was right. one right. where you were played some vain. Pr- you were in a, in a mirror posing, going, "Look at that butt. Look at these arms." Do you remember that one? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah that? yeah. that was. Funny I mean, you too. had a killer show. Yeah. I mean, that was like you know, everything worked. You know, it was a killer show. The the epitome of that was there was a movie I did with uh, De Niro, and I came on as myself to show him how to jump over a car. Oh, <laughs> and and I said to them, "Look, I'm going to play hurt, and don't cut the camera because you're pretending I play hurt. Yeah, because it's going to look real. Car, yeah, and I'll come up out of the car and I'm going to play hurt." Do not <laughs> ever work at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, no matter, no matter what, what I do, <laughs> no do not cut Never the camera. Cut. <laughs> right. So I jump over the car and now I'm being ultra real. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. Oh. And they cut the camera. They cut, <laughs> which is the most flattering thing yeah. they could have oh, done for you. Why, why did you do I that? I told you not to cut. It's almost like a Ralph Crandom <laughs> thing or something, you know. Right. Get out yeah. of here. But that's the funny part. That would, that would, that was actually funny. I did it again, but, uh, but probably not as well as the first time. No. Where you play ultra, ultra, and the audience is in, is in on the joke. Yeah. Pain is funny. I mean, look at, look at that's, that's look, Laurel and Hardy. Look at all, look at the Three yeah. Stooges. Look at yeah, Pratt Falls. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. The Three Stooges yeah. have, have gotten. When I think about them now and the abstraction of people hitting your friend with a hammer in his face and on his head and stuff. It's, it seems funnier now than when I was a kid, cause I loved Abbott and Costello and I really liked the three well, stooges. Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Abbott and Costello had more intellect with that. Who's on the classic sketch. That classic sketch is maybe the most brilliant written yeah. piece of comedy ever. <laughs> and delivered full circle. I did an homage to Abbott and Costello Lou Costello, when Christopher Walken was in Wayne's World 2, and he's very, he's kind of the bad guy, and I'm playing Garth, and he goes, Goth, like that, and I started doing that, <laughs> which is very hard to do, sustain the, <laughs> you know, and then Mike started doing it. 
But yeah, yeah. they were, uh, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. As a kid watching that on television was like, ah, perfection. When he couldn't, when he saw Frankenstein and couldn't get it out. Yeah. He, he was what doing, <laughs> What's the matter with you? I don't know. There's no one here. <laughs> and he's just pointing. <laughs> what are you talking about? Look, I'm going to go no, over here. No, I'll be back. Who invents in, that? I'll be back in five Dana, minutes. And then, Dana, yeah. who invents that? Does, does Lou Costello invent that? Does the director say, hey, here's, here's I, you know, I just wonder those early movie stars. Vaudeville was such a breeding ground for all the basics of comedy. In fact, apparently, oh. I don't know that Abbott Costello, who's on first, had been performed by some other act at some point whoa, that whoa, maybe whoa, it was whoa, whoa, something. Whoa, whoa. I, yeah, that's I yeah. that. Too. I don't that it was the classic sketch in vaudeville, which they they, they took. But I can't imagine anybody doing it better because they played it so real. Uh, absolutely. The timing. I mean, that's just you can't beat those two actors doing that. No, because they're just the, it no, should be I, an I, NFT. That would have required hours of rehearsal, yes. days yeah, you, of rehearsal. If that's to your point about this whole podcast. I mean, one little drop beat. One guy di doesn't remember one tiny bit and the whole thing is done in a second. Yeah, it's, It yeah. has to be seamless. Yeah. But, you know, it's very interesting, those vaudevillian stars who became movie stars like the Marx Brothers and kind of filmed their their yeah, plays. But if you look at the Marx Brothers today, they're not they're not. I mean, the one <laughs> joke of leaning against leaning against the, the building. What do you think you're doing? Holding up the building? Oh, and he walks yeah. away in the building. Falls down. That was that was a great comic. thing. But mostly. Walking around, I don't know. It's not big as they go. Well, it, I, I, when I was a kid, watching reruns was a little too old fashioned for me. I like Jerry Lewis but as a kid. Martin. That's kids' humor. Yeah, but yeah. but the audiences that were being entertained in those early movies were were serious people yeah. laughing at the Marx Brothers who and the Harpo and the thing. It, today, it's like ludicrous. Well, it was. Yeah, it's part of that 30s, you know, class warfare. I think I have this people. smart comedic palette. Meanwhile, I remember howling at Gilligan's Island. I mean, I don't know when I started deciding what was easy funny and what was smart funny, but yeah. we were talking about Bob Newhart earlier and Bob Newhart was very dry and I I liked it for some reason, even though it was dry. And I was a kid going, this smash was funny, but it wasn't really like in your face like a sitcom. Mm -hmm. And then, but I liked corny shit too, so... I think over time, my my comedy, you start to decide what you like and what you want to focus on. I guess, but there, but there are basic tenets of comedy: seeing the banana peel guy yeah. coming, or the guy slipping, and then you see the banana peel. Those those academic analysis of of comedy the primitive are, work. Yeah, they yeah. work. Yeah. It's it's absolutely truthful. So that that's funny. You see the fat man coming, you see the banana peel, and you know, he's just and he slips, and you laugh. I mean, you that's see it coming in your head, you're like, funny. Uh oh, A it's plus B. funny. Yeah. It had to be when the guy put his axe down and brought in the dinosaur head, and then they did a joke about slipping on uh, the dinosaur tail. That They had to have been laughing yeah. uh, a million years ago at that very basic <laughs> comedy. On the other hand, slapping on the head and and the, the those uh, jokes that the Marx Brothers did, and then the Three Stooges, then, yeah, hitting hitting people, yeah. I think yeah, it's funny. It, it was funny then, but not funny now. And I guess that's the changing tastes of funny. Although I think there are there are eternals of comedy that 
remain from Greek times to now. Well, they say there's only 12 notes and everybody, the Beatles and Beethoven and everybody plays with those notes. And there's probably these basic tenets of comedy and we're just keep redoing the stew. Yeah. And you try to add a little something. You extra do your to version it. of that comedy. Yeah. Like people say, yeah. oh, this movie is similar to that movie. And you're like, but it's two new people doing it 20 years later. And it's just different. But there are certain themes you're going to go into. The old girlfriend comes back or you do this. So every comedy movie and every movie movie, you know, you're going to fall into the same themes. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to make put some spin on it, a little English to make it yours? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What did I want to get off my chest recently? Well, it's probably something you got to get off your chest because we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We just keep things bottled up and then it starts to affect us negatively, David. Negatively. Yeah, it was something about when I was merging and the people weren't waving back to me and bothered me. But, you know, that th mm -hmm. that's a small stress, but it can be bottled up and yep. get bigger. Therapy mm -hmm. is a safe space to get things off your chest uh, and how to yeah. figure out you know, you got to work through whatever's weighing you down. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And I, I was in therapy. I'm there here and there now, but for five years and you know, it does challenge your thoughts. Cause I'm going to, this is kind of, I don't know if this is profound, but you are your thoughts in some ways. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking redundant, negative things or sad things or whatever, a therapist can, kind of get you out of that kind of negative pattern so mm -hmm. be the best mm -hmm. version of yourself um you know and sometimes it can be small things it can be major trauma i think either way mm -hmm. it's good to talk to someone if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just mm -hmm. fill out a brief questionnaire get matched with a licensed therapist switch therapist if uh you're not into it yeah. anytime yeah. no additional charge mm -hmm. get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash f-o-t-w today and get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash f-o-t-w buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around to get a beautiful gift mm -hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it the tricky part dana as you know yeah, figuring figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it, price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David, and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry, right? And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm -hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman, or <laughs> or, or bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David, they're available twenty four seven by phone or chat to answer technical questions. Like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because um, 
you know, it's it's a subjective thing, and the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information, and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah. We're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant. And it's like, <laughs> they're flipping hot cakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. yeah, no thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm -hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm -hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to bluenile.com today that's bluenile.com i was i was drawn to the musicality of monty python and andy kaufman and the non-punchline punchline so there's yeah. a perfect yeah. example of kaufman yes of the reality and how played it so straight yeah he played it so straight in fact when he was on taxi that was funny but when he did the wrestling yeah. that wasn't funny right i was not a huge andy kaufman guy unpopular opinion I say was, that again i wasn't a huge andy kaufman guy like mickey mouse maybe i uh, to me growing up Thank when i was a little younger much it mm. had to have a payoff or i didn't i didn't really get what was going on and when everything was like wrestling was so straight, if it was a long play, I just wasn't grabbing it. And some of his stuff was really appreciated by a lot of comedians. And I was one of the few going, I don't, I like Taxi, like Taxi, I got I was going to say, yeah. what did yeah. you think of Taxi? I did like it. His performance in Taxi. Lotka was yeah. funny. Yeah, Lotka. Yeah, funny character. It was funny. It was a real character. Yeah. And, and it was funny the way he talked and the way he acted. That was comedy. Right. But then in his attempt... I mean, it's a really interesting. Uh, I'd be delighted to hear people talk about it. Andy Kaufman, did he desperately look for another gig in being the wrestler? Uh, did he, or did he go nuts and think, you know, I mean, what what happened to Andy Kaufman being this wonderful actor? That's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, I, there was something, uh, it was like live gladiatorian theater when he would go there and then he loved playing he was satirizing sort of the big time wrestling guy uh being an, an anarchist in the in the arena yeah. and screaming at the crowd but uh the late great rob williams told me a story once who knew andy back in that time and he met him for lunch or somewhere and he noticed that andy had the wrestling clothes on underneath his real clothes this is just him out in the world and robin remembers saying oh oh andy what are you doing what are you doing like maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe, he maybe he tipped over someplace that we don't know where the line right. between yeah. performance and reality. I don't know. But uh, yeah. like you're trying to get people that are guessing ahead of what you're doing and you're doing this long play and then you do a joke that's too much of a long play and you start to lose people because you're out thinking everyone. And at certain well, point, he lost me. Imagine the courage it took for uh, Dick Sean. Yes, Remember I remember him very well. Died on stage. Okay, so you remember the the great joke he told of uh, there's old grandpa coming up mm -hmm. from the Civil War. Here he comes. Yeah. Da, 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 and he walks by. Yeah, the grandpa, the pretend grandpa, walks by. He does three minutes preparing you for the grandpa to walk past him. What happens if the audience doesn't laugh? Which yeah. must yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, I, like I don't know. How many minutes do you get away with keeping them? 
I think until there's, they give up. I think there's a lot of anger that floats around in comedy and some of the best comedy. Uh, and yeah, I for do sure. think that Andy had his good measure. Uh, I, I sometimes stay at the Parker Meridian in New York and they'll play Chaplin shorts in the elevator. And you just go, oh. there's a lot of pathos and it's brilliant, but there's a lot of anger floating around the way he walks and stuff. And comedians sometimes are the bullied ones, sometimes the underdog. And so that always is informing. I mean, I was, before I had therapy, more passive aggressive, people pleasing. This was my disease. But in my characters, the church lady was kind of cruel in, in a funny way. Hans and Franz said, I could beat you up. You're a loser. So you just wonder, you know, if you turn the sound off and watch certain comedians, you just go, that's kind of an angry walk, you know? Well, and you could name those comedians right now. I know. Uh, we might get sued. <laughs> well, guys, it's been. No, uh, we're finished is... with part one. We'll take a break. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Bill, I just want to say this has been Unreal. so much fun. And I honestly don't know how you're. You just don't. You seem decades younger as you articulate and philosophize with us and the strength of your voice. I, I don't really even understand it. I don't even need to have an answer. I'm just observing it. I don't have an answer. I don't have to have an answer. <laughs> Good. I don't but have I, one. But I do think just for the rest of us, and I remember Lauren Michaels saying this, you just keep going. There is no retirement in show business. You just keep going. I, well, that's the truth. Yeah. You know, you just pay older people, I guess. Why not? Yeah. yeah. But in well, your case. I don't know anything else. I can't go be a carpenter now. This is it. Right. Well. Right. You know, there is a stage. That's another thing. When you're in your 20s, I've got grandchildren who want to be actors, you know, they're 15, 16 years old. You can be an actor. So you're 20, 21, you're an actor, you're pretty uh, boy or girl, you've got physical beauty. And, and then you get to be about 30 and you're now uh, half a step behind the 18 year old coming up. You've got a decision to make. Are you going to continue? Mm -hmm. So now you're going through your, your passages and you go through your 30s and you're still trying to do it. Now you're in your 40s. What are you going to do? <laughs> okay. What no one thinks that far ahead. No. I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, you. well, what What about what about the 50s? What happens in the 50s? <laughs> it's too late. And you're in your 50s? Well, no, you're both successful uh, in that you've made a living. You've uh, achieved uh, a, a, a modicum of fame and you have some treasure in your uh, 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 talent and and in your uh, bedroom, you know, you got like you got white sheets for God's sake, you know. Uh, but there come points in your life that being an actor uh, is uh, you don't have any skill to fall back on. You don't. You can't become uh, a plumber in another. Uh, a plumber gains experience and gets to be a better plumber. Right. Uh, an actor gains experience and it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. when I when I grew up, all the comedians were old. It was just different, you know. Bob Hope, Jack Benny, they were all in their seventies, like in the, you know. It was, yeah, but they they manufactured a joke. They had a writer, or hopefully sometimes they wrote it. Yeah, yeah, and they would make a political joke, and it was funny. So you'd know you had a a, a, a known quantity mm -hmm. uh, with a Bob Hope. Uh, uh, I want to uh, tell you, yeah. yeah. A Jack Benny. And you guys are. You yeah. guys are the the latter day Bob Hopes. You'll go to an event and be amusing in your character 
in your in your comedy. You'll work till you're you're uh, Where what? you fall off the stage, and that's not funny. <laughs> Dana's Carol Channing. You can easily. Well, hello. I once punched. <laughs> I played Regis on a, a, a short film, and Carol Channing. I was running down a street in New York. I go, I gotta go. I gotta go get to David Letter, but I'm sorry, I've gotta go. And Carol Channing was doing a cameo. I'm sorry, Carol, I gotta go. And so then I, I, as Regis, I cold cocked her and knocked her down. It's just stuff, stuff you do in show. Dave's waiting for me. I'd love to talk to you. Honest to God, you're one of the greatest, but I gotta go. Don't you love Regis's voice? I mean, Uh, just wasn't it? It Just something about it. You know, kid, you're terrific. You do the space things and all you're doing. That's beautiful. You You got it. You're doing your tremendous, your tremendous job. Everybody's talking about it. You're the talk of the town. (laughs) You're a Captain Cook. You're you're Danny Crane. Who knows where you're going? You're in outer space. Ladies and gentlemen, William Shatner was here today. And I'm telling you Uh, something. It was quite a treat. Joy and I love you very much. I love the charm of Regis. Guys, you, you, you too are wonderful together you're going to make a smash show fun. I'm, I'm delighted to be with you we're so glad Thank to have you, you on and keep doing what you're doing and we'll have you back Thank the you. next time you go in space we're having you back <laughs> perfect all right i'll be there take care bill good See luck you, be w- pleasure talking be well this has been a podcast presentation of cadence 13 please listen then rate review and follow all episodes available now for free wherever you get your podcast no joke folks Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13, executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know how home shopping can be, and that can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you actually do need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? Good question. What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Maybe it is. Why can't it? Guess what? It is. Now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better, hold on. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you See the agent's current listing and sales history. Wow. That sounds good. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information. All at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. Homes.com. We've done your homework.